Today I'm reading Exodus 12, verses 12 through 14, found on page 58 in your pew Bibles. You may follow along. On the same night I will pass through Egypt. Our New Testament reading this morning is going to come from... Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, we'll read verses 3 through 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 3 through 6. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not proclaim ourselves, we proclaim Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your slaves for Jesus' sake. For it is God, the God who said, let light shine on the darkness, who has been shown into our hearts to give the glory of light, to give, to, give, to give the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. The hardest I've ever, I was ever hit in playing football was one time when the mighty bobcat to Bogachitta drove, drove into the Thunderdome that is Puckett, Mississippi. We were playing Puckett my junior or sophomore junior year, and uh, we, we, were, we were playing them all. You know, you don't just go into Puckett and take it lightly, you know. So we were going to play them. They, they really were good back then. I guess they are now too. But we were going to play them. And, you know, I bug them, you know. Um, it wasn't like we had first team and second team. and We had y'all. <laughs> and there weren't many of us. So we all played on every team, and it wasn't because we were good, it's because there weren't many of us. So I got to play on offense and defense and everything. So I got to, I was the center on the offensive line, so I got to be the long snapper. So I was long snapping the ball to the punter, and, I, and, and in that situation, you snap the ball back to the punter, at least back then, the defensive guy couldn't hit you because you were vulnerable. So you'd snap, and you'd take off down the field to go tackle the guy that caught the ball. So as you can well imagine, I snapped the ball, and I was like Grease Lightning, man. I was down that field. <laughs> Many of you may have heard a sonic boom. I was going so fast. I was really moving, y'all, you know, because, you know, you get a lot of motion behind you, it's hard to stop sometimes. I was going... Man, I was going to get him. I was just running as hard as I could. I was going to go tackle that guy and, and hit him. And somebody came out of nowhere. And, man, they just laid me out. I did not see them coming. And they got me to the side. And I go flying off the ground. I hit the ground. I see stars. I was probably concussed, which explains a lot if you really think about it. Um, but... It was the hardest I was ever hit in my entire life was that moment right there. And it taught me a valuable lesson that I have, that I have tried to live with for the rest of my life. And that's to always keep your head on a swivel. 
because you never know what's going to happen. Now, there's not me and Tim, as me and Tim can attest, there aren't a whole lot of songs in the hymnal that relate back to keeping your head on a swivel. There's not a swivel section in the hymnal. So I learned early to always be looking around. Always be aware of your surroundings. That's a good lesson to learn, though, not just in football, but in driving. And a lot of our life is to always be aware of your surroundings. Always be looking out for the other guy because you never, you never know what's going to happen. Always be paying attention. Always be t- paying attention because there might be something that you're going to miss if you're not looking. It's always easy to miss things. There's always things that are hidden. Always things that are right around the periphery of your eye that if you're not looking, you're going to miss. In literature, for those that write plays and novels, there's a, there's a, a principle called Chekhov's gun. I don't know how any of y'all are familiar with Chekhov's guns. This morning in early service, a few people nodded their heads and were familiar with it. Basically, Chekhov was a, was a Russian novelist. And he said, when you're writing a novel, it's a good principle. If you hang up a gun on the wall in the first act, that gun should be shot in the second act. You don't have any unnecessary action. But everything in a play or in a movie or in a, in a, in a, in a, in a novel that happens should be pointing to something else that's going to happen later, which is central to the point. We understood this. We understand this kind of looking backwards is foreshadowing. You know, we, we can say, oh, when that happened there, that was pointing to this, and that was kind of cool. So we understand that when we read this notion of foreshadowing. By the way, we see it not just in drama. We see it not just in literature. But think about, think about the, 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 the scripture that, that, that Stella did such a good job reading this morning. Think about, think about what we heard there. Okay. The Passover, if you're following along in our Rooted in Christ plans, think about what we just read there. In the Passover, in the Passover, a spotless lamb is sacrificed. And the blood of that spotless lamb is applied to the doorpost of the homes. And when the angel of death comes by and sees the blood of the spotless lamb upon the doorpost of the home, the angel of death will pass over that house and those inside will escape judgment. The blood of the lamb will keep judgment from coming to the ones that have the blood of the lamb applied to them. Y'all, that's the gospel. I mean, that, that's the New Testament right there. That's the gospel, and we read it there in Exodus. That's something that's pointing towards something else. The Bible is full of that. And Isaiah, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our sins, and the punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. He was like a lamb led to the slaughter. And upon him was placed the iniquities of us all. Y'all, that's the gospel right there in Isaiah. That's something that's pointing towards something else. But it's easy to miss if we don't keep our head on a swivel. It's easy to miss we aren't paying attention. 
It's easy to miss if we aren't looking. See, all of us in our life, we miss things, don't we? And that's human nature. We all miss things. We all don't always see what's happening. We miss things. It's part of human nature. We get busy. You know, we, we miss some of the bigger pictures. One of my favorite quotes ever was I heard say, someone say one time, life is lived looking forward, but understood looking backwards. How many times in your life do you look back and say, oh, 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 okay, okay, that's what God was trying to teach me. Oh, oh, now I see. Ah, now I understand. I couldn't understand it in the moment. I couldn't see it in the moment. I couldn't perceive it in the moment. But now, looking backwards, oh, now I get it. Now, now I get what you're trying to do. Now I understand. So that's, that's a pretty common occurrence in life. I think for all of us, that's kind of how our life goes. We struggle in the moment sometimes to understand what God's doing. That's, that's a common vision and sight thing. But that's, that's not really the thing that struggles with us. What do we do when individuals are making mistakes and are doing things that are destructive, that are just plain wrong, and they don't see it? What do we do then? We all know somebody in our life right now that's doing something that's destructive. We all know somebody in our life that's doing things that are is simply wrong. That's simply wrong. And we're like, why don't you see? Why don't you understand the consequences of your actions? Why don't you get what's happening? Why do you not see the consequences of your choices? Why do you keep doing these things that are destructive? And we get so frustrated, don't we? We get so mad. We don't understand. Why are you doing this? It's almost like they don't see. It's almost like they don't understand. Why don't they understand? Why don't they see what's happening? Why don't they see the consequences of their decisions? Why? I think today's text gives us a little insight. First, let's hit rewind. It's always important to hit rewind and look back at how things started. How things start always determines so many things. It's like I, I tell, tell couples when I do premarital counseling. The family you came out of is going to shape everything about you. How you were raised is going to determine 95% of what you understand. So let's go back and look at humanity. Humanity says this in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2. It says, God made humans, male and female. He made them in his image, made them for each other. God made male and female. God made us, formed us, and said it was good. He put them in the garden. It was amazing. Everything they could want to eat, all the animals. I'm sure all the king cake they wanted. I mean, I'm sure it was heaven on earth. The good king cake with the cream cheese in it. I mean, they had the good stuff. You know, it was great. There they were in heaven, I mean, in Eden, and it was amazing. It's all you could ever ask for, all you could ever want. They had it great. It was awesome. Everything was perfect. That's how God made us, and that's God's intention, and that's God's desire. That's what God wants. That's what God wants. Okay, everything's perfect. Chapter 3, the serpent enters the scene, 
And he convinces Adam and Eve to eat from the tree that God forbade them to eat from. They ate from the thing. They, they did the thing they were specifically commanded by God not to do. They willingly and knowingly chose to disobey God. They sinned. And when they did that, it all spun out of control. So much of the rest of Scripture is us seeing the consequences for that decision and seeing God's plan of repairing and restoring what sin took. But Adam and Eve, they ate the fruit. And when they messed up, it threw creation out of whack. So now creation is disoriented, but it isn't just creation. It's me and you. We're the sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. And like the old hymn, prone to wander, Lord, I fear it, prone to leave the God I love. We're going to do things that are wrong. We're going to choose wrong. We're going to do wrong. We just are. We're human. I, I did a confirmation retreat last weekend at Camp Lake Stevens in Oxford. Now, I was talking to the kids about this, about how we're made in God's image. We never need, need to forget the fact that we're made in God's image. But we also have that effect of our first parents upon us now. What does that look like? Okay, let me ask a question. Somebody slaps you in the face. What's your first response? Don't give me your church answer. Your church answer is, oh, I just love them. And I just want to hug them. Oh, Bless a little heart. That's your church answer. What's your real answer? You want to go WrestleMania on them, don't you? Yeah. You want to punch them back in the face. You want to slap them back. That, that, that is what happened. That is not even, Now, some of y'all are saints out there. The rest of us aren't. I want to drop kick them. Okay, I watch Ric Flair. I know the figure four leg lock. Okay. I know what to do. What did Jesus say? Turn the other cheek. It's not natural. <laughs> I don't want to turn the other cheek. I want to punch them back. That's what I want to do. Turning the other cheek is not natural. It, it kind of goes against what our instincts tell us. That's the effect of the first sin upon our hearts. Is our very first reaction quite often is going to be to do the thing that actually is destructive. Punching them back, slapping them back solves nothing. It makes the situation worse. It builds a wall. It builds hatred. It's not healthy. It's the wrong thing to do. But it's our first reaction most, most times, isn't it? That's the effect of sin upon our heart. That's the effect of the fall upon all of us. Upon you, upon me, upon creation, upon us all. So we see that effect right there. But that, just, that isn't just it. Look at what Paul tells us in Corinthians today. That the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers. They literally don't see. Y'all, okay, I'm going to let you a little secret I have here. I'm fixing to make your life a lot easier. How many of y'all on Facebook especially, but in life in general, get really mad at folks that aren't acting right and they just make your blood boil. Y'all, you cannot expect folks that don't know Jesus to act like folks that do know Jesus. 
You've got to ask yourself a question. This is one of, this might be the most important question you have to ask yourself. Do you really, in your heart of hearts, believe Jesus makes a difference? Do you really believe that Jesus Christ makes a difference in someone's life? If you do, then you cannot expect someone who doesn't know Jesus to act like someone who does know Jesus. If you spend all your time being mad at folks that don't know Jesus, you won't love them. And Scripture has commanded them to love them. Scripture commanded us to love them. We must love those that don't know our Savior, because the only way they'll know their Savior is if we love them. But if we spend so much time being mad at folks, we can't love them. You've got to ask yourself, though, do you really think Jesus changes lives? Because if Jesus changes lives, then those that have not met him are not going to act like those that have. And so we make ourselves angry, and we blind ourselves, don't we? So how often does our frustration, how often does our anger, how often does the stuff in our very lives blind us from loving people? It does me. I mean, I had, I had a lunch meeting at 7.45 um, Thursday when the heavens opened. And I spent about 45 minutes on, on the interstate, and I was not. I wasn't singing Kumbaya. <laughs> I was singing some of those war psalms. You know, Lord, smite them. Make a path. Get me to the IHOP. I mean, just, that's our natural desire, isn't it? So the question is, not just for those that don't know Jesus, but for ourselves. What have, we allowed to, what have we allowed to blind us? What does the godless age, as Paul calls him, what does he use to blind us? Sometimes we're blinded by the fact that we can't take our eyes off ourselves. Sometimes we're only focused on our stuff, on our desires, on our wants, on our popularity, on our whatever, our status. I was talking to the high schoolers this morning, talking about fasting for Lent. How many of us probably should fast from our phones for a few months? I'm not. I'm talking about, this is preaching, this is, I'm preaching to y'all. I'm not talking to me, I'm talking to y'all. So that's just ridiculous. I mean. But how much of our worth do we find, how often do we find our worth in the approval of others? Maybe we adults look down on our, our, our teenagers for putting too much worth in what their peers think of them. But aren't we the same? <laughs> our toys have just changed. And our status symbols have just changed. But like Ecclesiastes says, there's nothing new under the sun. Sometimes we are blinded because we're so worried about what others think of us. I heard somebody say one time, said, the most powerful thing, powerful thing in your life is not how you perceive yourself or it's not how others perceive you, but it's how you perceive that others perceive you. Y'all, what someone thinks of you is none of your business. How often in our life are we blinded because we can't take our sight off ourselves? How often in our life are we blinded because we can't take our sight off of our hurts? Many of us have been hurt, have been wounded, have been pained. Yes, but if all we focus on upon our, is our hurt, then we'll never heal. 
If we can never let go of the pain, we can never heal from the pain. And y'all, sometimes it's hard to let go of pain. Sometimes things are so painful. Sometimes things are so tragic. Sometimes things are so hard that we can't let go. And we hold on and we let go. And we hold on and we let go. And we hold on and we let go. And our entire life becomes a story of giving it to God and taking it back. And giving it to God and taking it back. And that's okay because we're human. But we've got to learn to take our eyes off of our pain and put our eyes onto our Savior. Because the only thing that will, that will heal our pain is our Savior. The only thing that will heal our hurt is our Savior. What can take away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole? Again, nothing but the blood of Jesus. Only Christ can bring healing. And if all we focus on is upon our hurts, then we could never experience the healing power of grace. I know it's hard to let go of things, y'all. I've got them too. We've all got them. But we can't experience that healing till we let go. So sometimes we're blinded because of our, ourselves. Sometimes we're blinded because of our hurts. Sometimes we're blinded because of our culture. What other, others think about us, what the world tells us should matter. So like the, day, oh, the old Dave Ramsey thing, we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't want to impress people we don't like. And we live by what society tells us matters, and by what culture tells us matters, instead of what God's word tells us matters. Freedom will never come from culture. Freedom will never come from the approval of others. It only comes from Jesus. So we as Christians are just as prone as what Paul says here. We too get blinded. So what do we do about it? Well, for those friends of yours, family who are lost, who don't know Jesus, who are blinded, the most important thing you can do for them is pray. Maybe that can be your Lenten sacrifice this year is to take time seriously praying for those that don't know Jesus. Friends, family, loved ones, neighbors, co-workers that don't know Jesus, lifting them to God so that he can open their eyes because we won't know him unless he calls out to us. Scripture says in John 6, no one comes to the Father unless drawn by the Spirit. Praying for God to open the eyes of those that don't know him. And then for those of us that do, we've got to fight against the blindness. And I think one of the main ways that we can fight against the blindness, one of the main ways we can have our eyes open, one of the main ways that we can see clearly is in worship. Worship is that, that gasoline on the fire in our souls. Worship is the thing that inflames our heart and opens our eyes and purifies us and helps us encounter God. Because when you encounter God, it changes everything. In worship, we encounter a holy God. And in worship, our lives are changed. In worship, our hearts are purified. In worship, our God is glorified. In worship, we are changed. So maybe for us during Lent, our challenge can be to worship. Not just part of it is consistently weekly gathering together with the people of God. As Scripture says, do not forsake the gathering together with the brethren. We worship together, but we worship in our own lives. We worship with our families. The thing I want for my children above all else is not for them to go to the right college. 
Not for them to get great jobs. I want them to know Jesus. That's, that's, that's my job as their daddy. Is to help them know Jesus. Nothing else matters. In worship, our lives are clarified and we see correctly. Everything that's going to try to blind us, y'all. Scripture says the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. He tries to blind our eyes as well. Today, what are you looking at? Today, where's your eyesight? Today, where's your vision? May we do as Paul instructed to keep our eyes on heavenly things. Not just on our stuff. Not just on our fears. Not just on our hurts. But on Jesus. Knowing that he is freedom. That he is life. Today, may we always be looking around. Today, may we find our Savior here in our midst. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his salvation in our life. We thank you for his love in our life, God. Help us, oh God, to love you in all things, God. You are so good to us. Thank you for giving us your grace today and always. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. Our closing and invitational hymn this morning is going to be hymn number 347, Spirit Song. During this song, the altar is open. Perhaps you've never made the decision to put your full faith in Jesus Christ. Today is a great day.